0: Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast, I'm your host Kevin Byrne and I'm delighted to say we are joined today by a Belfast boxing stalwart and legend even in Mickey Hawkins. Mickey, welcome to the show, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad, great to, great to be on. Yeah, delighted you joined us, um, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago and uh, you needed to have your preparation done and I believe any boxer going into a tournament under you from now on is definitely going to have their preparation done. Yeah, well it's, 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 it's a vital part of anything, you know, but I'm not saying I've prepared all that well, but um, I know you've got you you'll your have the right questions to ask anyway. So, ah, oh, well, well, we'll start we'll start at the start. Uh, how did your own boxing career go? And is it true that you shared this uh, bill with a young Liam Neeson? Um,
1: no, I don't. Uh, Liam Neeson was boxing around the same time as us, but um, he was he was that I think he was a year older or two years older uh, than I was. Um, we uh, always remember uh, the Derry Connor finals and the All Saints Ballinamena Club. The box were um, always stood out highly in the in the Dern and Connor championships, and um, he was he was part of that uh, great team um, of, of of All Saints that uh, Father Dara and You looked after,
0: and he was uh, he was very very talented. Okay, yeah, no, I, I must be mistaken because there was a Hawkins. I know there's a couple of you. There was a Hawkins on a fight card that I saw. And I think he pulled out injured. And Neeson, Neeson won, I think, that night as well. It was a schoolboy championship. So, I, I uh, I'm off to a flyer. <laughs> I'm off to a flyer. How did your own boxing career go? Did you did you win much? Did you put away much? No, I I had probably about 120 fights.
1: And um, when I look at some of the guys that uh, that beat me, you know, some of them were tw- beat me three times and some four times. You know, and Jerry Hannam said that uh, if I beat you again, I'm taking you home and putting you on top of the television. You know, so. Um, so uh, my career was uh, was was pretty, I got to the North Island final, uh, youth level, and um, and after that um, we started work very, very, you know, started work at 15, and it kind of, it, it never worked, never really, um, we run the shop and stuff, never really worked well with uh, the with boxing career, you know, so the boxing timetable. So it just kind of, um just kind of drifted off for a year or so. Yeah. Um, what kind of shops were you working in? I worked in um well I was I started off as a mechanic, um as a, and then uh, I got uh, worked in the busy bee supermarket, it was then and uh I finished up owning it actually, you know. So I um, we started off working there and then I stopped owning it. So um but the Rs the hours never
0: suited the club. So we just had to kind of work work through that, you know. Were you boxing for the Holy Family at the time? I read that it became quite dangerous to cross town over to Jerry Story's gym, so you kind of ended up coming back closer to home where you lived. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, We but I started off, um, and we lived in uh, Sure Road, which is a fairly mixed area, um,
1: and uh, whenever I was very young, so we started off there um, and then finished up. Um, we, moved, we moved house then and it was a bit difficult to get to the club, it was more difficult. It was a uh, yeah it was, just, it was hard it
0: was hard times at the at, at that time as well you know uh, yeah but, yeah what well, what do you remember of Belfast in the sixties like uh, how was it as bad as it almost seems or not, not bad, but was it as dangerous as it looks yeah, such a yeah
1: it was certainly it was certainly dangerous i mean well the sixties not so much the sixties it was the late sixties before it really yeah it really got out of uh, got out of hand, you know and uh um well, you know, through the seventies and stuff, it was it was really difficult. Whenever we started our own club, this was 1971. And that was a real difficult time. That was a real difficult time uh, in Belfast. Hey, what 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 was it that put you towards uh, starting the club? Um, my mother, actually. You know, so the troubles were on, and things were things were um, things were very very dangerous, very tough times, really, and. Uh, she was always wanting to get me involved in in, in, in the youth in the area, in our own, you know, in Turf Lodge. And uh, so she was on at me that month. So I had to go down and see this new club that they were trying to start in, in Turf Lodge. So that was really it. She was uh, the main one that pushed for me to, you know, just to get me involved in something else other than just, you know, going to work and just to keep me right, really. The club itself, you know, we started, we started in that in that time, and uh, you know, got this very. The community itself was, um, you know, the unemployment was big. It was, it was massive. Like it was massively just a bad time. And we started, and with uh, some great help from the older people in the in the estate. and you know, it, it, the likes of I have the name a few names like Donny McDonald, John Joe Brennan, Tommy McManus, great great older people in 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 the area, and they like made a boxing ring and you know give us a great great hand. They were really, really, really helpful, you know. And uh that's how we formed really. It's
0: but it formed a very uh, big community um project and everybody wanted to, you know. Did the kids of Belfast have a they seem to have like a natural propensity for boxing. Like we don't see many kids from Ireland, you know, starting in Tennis majors winning grand slams, but in boxing they're, they're world leaders. And why is that? Do you think? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a, I think it's a working class sport, really.
1: Uh, you know, but every estate, every parish. I mean, I mentioned there you know, about the Down and Connor championships. Yeah, they are no longer now. They were the they're the Catholic championships, you may say. So they were. Um, and then, uh, so when, when you had the Downing Connor Championship, every parish seemed to have a boxing club, you know? Like, for instance, uh, in, where we come from in Turf Lodge, uh, and there's 18 boxing clubs within a 20 minute radius. So that's massive. Like, it's massive.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, and obviously, boxing in Belfast is famous for being non sectarian. You were able to. Across the city, box, boxing places like the Shankill, lads from Protestant areas, right, from Protestant backgrounds, were able to box for the Irish team. Um, how how important did it feel even back then, or is it something that you're, is dawning more now? You no, know, uh, you know, it's uh, of course when you
1: look back on it, you know, you can you can take things and you can you can you can see what really happened. But uh, you know, the, the Protestant clubs and Catholic clubs, and they always worked together had to work together because you know there's no survival on this unless we did because there there was there was far more Catholic clubs than there were when there were Protestant, you know. So um but we we always we always went to the tournaments and um you know there's times during the during the troubles when it was very hard, you know, there was boxing shows and in a Catholic area and then there would be the the same team would travel to the Protestant area. So it was great like it was yeah. always that it was always that um Relationship
0: that we had, and it, it, it really helped them throughout the troubles as well. Yeah, I wonder. Like, I wonder—is it the reality or is it exaggerated? How boxing helped people make friends across the divide, so nearly pull people back from becoming extreme in their views. Well, I
1: mean, you could still people could still hold their views and still hold you know their their own thoughts and and on on and you know, one side and the other side. But I mean, we can still work together, and you have to. And we always did in boxing you know and 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 it's it certainly um it certainly helped the whole situation you know it may be a judgment it and, you know from time to time um but there's no need to because it's genuinely there we have a cross community with um Monkstown Boxing Club boxing last twenty years, which is a very genuine um you know cross community effort that that we make and we also work with, with we work with all the clubs mm-hmm. and we all kind of work together, so there's no real you
0: know it's it's just normal now you know when did the trinity uh start start really winning because you had a difficult beginning. I know there was there were fires and you lost the club and it's such a family effort. You and your brothers were involved and your father as well, um Tommy. Yep. 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 and uh, my, my father was always he was always around
1: and always giving encouragement and and actually, you know, we uh, we had a fire in in the wooden structure that we had at the very beginning. It was very small, humble, very humble beginnings. And um it was an accidental fire um, that was set up, and uh, that was whatever where that happened. We still don't know the the truth of the matter, but still, um, the, the club went up, and and the, the everyone then got together within the within the parish. Everybody got together, and everybody kind of worked towards developing the Holy Trinity Boxing Youth Centre, and and we actually built it. You know, remember the insurance money came up. Um, from the, it was, we were insured for £2,000 and the architect came into the, uh, Father Mark Williams' room and, and just facing the club in Norgland Gardens. And he said, uh, well, how much money have you got now? How much have we got here? And, and Father Mark Williams said, oh, how much, uh, how much is it costing Peter? And Peter said, Sixty-eight thousand. He says, "Oh, we're not too bad." He said, "We've got a couple of grand to go towards that." <laughs> That's right. you know. So it, it, the rest of it was all really, really voluntary work. It was brilliant. It was great.
0: Uh, it was great community um, together. You know. So lads, lads coming in and like who were you know chippies and electricians and stuff helped in putting the place together and working for free. Yep. Oh, everybody worked for free. Everybody, yeah. everybody worked for free, and it was
1: it was big. It was big, really. Some of it, you know, was um, um, you couldn't really bring a lorry into the place at the time of the troubles and stuff. And um, so people weren't allowed to bring, you know, lorries in. But this guy um, got the land of the lorry to, to get all the steel trusses in. And um, we got them from New York, got them up and somebody was there taking photographs. He said, no photographs. He said, I lost my job, you know. But it was uh, it was difficult times, you know. It was difficult times even to, even to get built in the centre. But yeah. The, but now we've got, you know,
0: we've got great premises and so you'd you'd obviously boxed as a as a young fella and you know you hadn't maybe made it as far as you maybe hoped, or or maybe you'd you'd done everything you felt you could do with your talent. However, did you did coaching come naturally and like inspiring other people or inspiring kids? What and what was your style of coaching? What was your philosophy, I guess? No. Cool. Um, well, I was
1: kind of, I always, you know, when I was in the club, we, were, we always brought around the kids, you know, we always brought around the younger ones. And, um, so I kind of had that, I always had that kind of feeling that I could, the a coach, okay, I had never any, had never any problem, you know, worrying about the actual coaching end of it, you know. And whenever we first started, um, I was only in 19, maybe eighteen, nineteen, 19, and, um, and you know, we, but it just it just happened. Like it just we just did it, and uh, the coaching kind of came natural. You know, mm. and and we were very very successful very quickly. I mean, we won the best club in Ulster award, the Higginson Cup. Um, you know, it was six finalists and four champions only. I mean, you know, four years after we started. You know, so um, yeah, it
0: became we we a great success very very quickly. Who are your great champions of the seventies? I, I know of obviously a few of the names, and I, I won't list them off. I'll leave it to you, but I know you know you hear the names like Eddie Fisher, Damien Fryers, and like the list goes on. Champions, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we have we had lots of lads there and all good, all good young lads,
1: all wanting the box, you know. So we're a big, we're a big, uh, we're a big pool of boxers right from the beginning. So we have plenty to choose from, and you know the more you have, then. Certainly, you know you're always going towards that national title, and um, my younger brother Jerry was very, very talented. He was he was terrific. He was, uh, yeah, he was a he was a natural, really, you know. And you know, Jerry and Peter, you know, their brother and Peter, the people who said that Peter was a better boxer than Jerry was, and whatever. But um, you always get that between brothers, you know, if he had a had this and he had a had that, you know, know, yeah, But the uh, Jerry was very good, and he was our first uh, All Ireland juvenile champion and um and um olympian a european medalist as well yeah oh my! Like, but was your first olympian you know
0: so of course and uh he was uh, jerry, jerry was very very talented you know and that set a trend because your club is is big time associated with the olympics and we'll get to that now in a couple of minutes but you rose to prominence yourself you ended up coaching with the national team fairly quickly i was speaking to billy walsh and he was saying you know, you were a very young man when you started out as a coach with the Irish team. I think he might have been at the European Under nineteen Championships in East Germany, nineteen eighty two. Is that do you recall being at that one? Yeah, in Schwerin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I remember. I remember that
1: one. Um, yeah, I remember that one well. And um, Billy was on that, and um, it was the start of our relationship. I think we could get quite a quite a quite a few tournaments after that as well. And Billy was always team captain. You know, you 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 get your team together and you know, Billy was the team captain because in, in his role, his main role was to find out any difficulties any of the boxers were having then. We were having, them at the, the meeting after lunch sure or after dinner every evening, but we we'd have a chat and see how things were. And we'd always be, in, you know, in front of the posse, like we'd always uh, be ready for whatever was coming, you know, and, and sort all the difficulties out. But Billy was very, he was always very, um,
0: very aware, very aware and very alert. He's a good lad for them. Did you find it difficult to, I, I, I suppose, maybe make the transition from coaching Belfast kids, you know, you're coaching your own to going to the national stage as a young guy in the early 80s, or was it just a seamless transition? I know it was kind of, I never had any difficulty really, you kind know, of, um, you
1: know, working with boxers or working with anybody because it was boxing, it was just boxing, you know, and and, and we did it. And, and that's what, that's, we've always got that, that good, and relationship with the boys. When you're working with when you're working with your own boxers, you you know exactly what they want. You know exactly what they need. You know exactly what they deserve, and you know exactly how to handle them. You know, and, and all the boys are the same. They all want the same things. You know, they want success,
0: and they want to look doctor well as, as best as possible. Uh, I think I might know the answer, but it wasn't a case of like moving from club coaching to national coaching and there's bigger egos, bigger personalities, and you have to manage that differently. Or all yeah. boxers are the same, effectively. I nah, absolutely, everybody, you know, it's, listen, it, it's hard work. You don't get anywhere without hard work. And,
1: and, and that's it, you know, just, that's, a, I think that's a, a, the easiest way to explain it The boxers, you know, you get, but you have to work. There's no, there's no easy
0: way. You can have egos, but you have to work hard no matter what. Which was your first, um, did you go to a world championships or a European championships? Because I know you went to your first Olympics was 1988 in Seoul. Yeah, it was a, that was the first Olympics, yeah. Um, Were you at the Commonwealth Games before that, 86? Well, I know you're there in 90. Were you there in 86? Uh, in 86, in the Commonwealth, 86
1: was where? I don't think. Just, uh, just, 86 is Edinburgh? No, uh, no, no. We had, uh, I think we had four or five boxers on that on that uh, tournament. But uh, um, Frank Irvin was the coach uh, in 86. Um, he was the coach in 86. There was uh, some of the countries didn't go. Um, if I remember correctly, in '86, some of the countries uh, didn't
0: participate in, in the tournament. But there was uh, a lot of a lot of the, the local lads did very very well there. Um, right. So prior prior to your first Commonwealth Games uh, trip in 1990 to Auckland, you did the um, you were called up as team co- or as a team manager or team coach head coach for the 1988 Olympics in Seoul, uh, Korea. That must have been a big honor for you personally. Were you you were still a young guy, you were still a young man, probably in your, I don't know, mid thirties or something like that at that stage. Uh, 86, or um, 88, uh, 88 so.
1: Yeah, yeah, 33, 34, yeah. Um, yeah, that was so. But I mean, if you remember, like I mean, if you, if you take off from we started in 71, 72, and we had Jerry Hawkins, the Olympian, you know, in Moscow. Um, in 1980, and that was, you know, it wasn't very long, like established. It was our first Olympian, so it was that was 1980, and then in '80, uh, Jerry again went to Los Angeles in '84, and and then the Olympics were uh, then with the World Championships in '86 in Reno. Um, uh, Damien Denny was there, and Karen Joyce, John Lloyd, and um, and them '88. And
0: um, the it was the world championships as well, in Moscow, so yeah said, was a, yeah, that was a busy time. did you get to stamp your authority on the uh, on the eighty eight games, and it's a really strong team that goes out to so just on the face of it now, looking back um how how did you imp- what were the plans going out there? Did you implement all the training camps and everything or did, were you just put in charge of the team at the championships? Yeah, well, I was in charge of the team. Um, and, 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 and as far as setting up the, the planning
1: for the 88 Olympics you know it's like the dark ages you know if you're you're talking about you know 88, 88 Olympics and um, it was a strong team it, it was a decent team alright it's a certainly a decent team but the preparation we went to Kerry we went to Kerry for six weeks I mean where was where was the where was the preparation, where was the sparring and whatever else you had. And you look back on it, it's definitely, uh, we were in a hotel, a small part of the hotel We had a ring up and, and that's what we did. You know, myself and Nicholas and Albie Murphy were, were the coaches. But, you know, according to today, like being I mean, high performance was always the goal. High performance, full-time coaching, full-time boxers was always the goal. You know, you had Michael Cruz, we McCulloch, and they started off being the first boxers paid. But that was only a, a small steps. The government, you know, weren't, weren't having high performance. And it was always the goal. And it was a gradual step forward, actually. It was a very gradual step forward as we were, as we were progressing through that, you know, to get full-time coaching, which we
0: eventually got. Like, but it, it took quite a while. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, the team that went out to Korea in 1988, I have it here. It's uh, Wayne McCullough. Joe Lawler, John Lowy, Paul Fitzgerald, Michael Caruth, Billy Walsh, and Kieran Joyce. So, like we say on the on the face of it, quite a strong okay. team. Uh, so it, certainly, it was a strong team. Yeah, okay. a lot of good personalities in that team as well, like people who went on to really leave their mark on Irish boxing, or people who'd already done so. You know, so there, there's a lot of personalities, and I'd say it was good crack going out there. Yeah, I mean,
1: we, we had we had great crack and made, made great crack when we were there as well. Like you know, but um, it's all again it's it's the olympic game had six weeks with we six weeks roughly in and carry and preparation you know with nine they is they're they're done you know myself and alby and with nicholas of course our nicholas had just come in you know with a cuban coach there and we brought uh just earlier before that games we uh, we brought the cubans in so as to, as to have a bit of you know actually we can beat cubans you know so um, with with Nicholas's province uh, uh, coming in there in early March. But um, yeah, but a good team. The team is there, and and it was a bit like um, you, know, you got out there and the, the boys did they did their best, and and, and that's just well, as all you can say. You know, they did their very best, and you know, some someone had a bit of luck and whatever. But the Joyce went out on three two, here went out three two to the Finn was it, and. Um, uh they keep they came very
0: close but Jesus break your heart not to not to get a medal yeah and like because of the seven man team everybody except Billy Walsh managed to actually win a fight and the guy Billy Walsh was fighting he'd stopped previously hadn't he I think at a pre-Olympic tournament. Yep the pre-Olympic team that March previously and so he'd um he'd already he'd already
1: beat that guy as well. But but the, the listen, the, the not good part, you know, is the, the, knockout, the, 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 the big punch the big punch can stop any fight, you know, that's the name of the game. That's boxing, you know. So you just don't know you don't know just who's gonna get it or when you're gonna get
0: it, and that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah. Was it a big personal disappointment to come come away without a medal from those games for you? Of course it was. It's, it's always it's always a disappointment coming away without
1: without medals. It's always a disappointment. But but again, you can't you can't help say you can't help saying you have it's not making excuses, you know. It's just it, it's it's so disappointing. You know, but we're part time. I mean, we everybody was part time. The boxers were part time. You know, okay, we did our best. We train, we'd train as often as we can get them together. But it was amateur. I mean, amateur was the, the proper word.
0: You know, it's it was difficult. It was very hard to get medals. Yeah, and not necessarily that the Irish team fell victim to it because I think the only one who lost to a Korean was Billy Walsh and you know, he was stopped by the doctor, was it? Or stopped, stopped. Early I, on a, um, on cut eye or something. Uh, cut eye, I'd say it is cut eye, but, um, uh, I'm not too
1: sure exactly just had three, but anyway, he lost, but, um, uh, he lost and, you know, it, we, we, you know, Billy was a banker. Billy was, you know, we were, we were expecting, we we're all expecting, you know, to do, to do quite well, but, um, that
0: was very that was very disappointing. Very disappointing. Actually, a defeat uh, as he tells it. And I think he, he's often moved to tears as he tells the story of his his own Olympic heartbreak. And he told a multitude of boxers in the following years about it. And almost as a way of inspiring them, don't let your chance slip, don't let it go past you. No, please. Yeah, well, it's 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 great advice, you know. Um everybody needs everybody needs sound, solid advice, you know, but uh <sighs> the uh, those games though were kind of, they're corrupt, weren't they? Like there was, you know, we saw the Roy Jones decision and we, there's echoes of it now with the 2016 Olympics with the McLaren report. But those those games weren't on the level. Like does, does that leave a bitter taste in your mouth? Even though perhaps you could look back and say, oh, well, maybe those who lost deserve to lose. And, you know, we can't, we can hold our hands up, no complaints. But just to know that it wasn't all played, it wasn't on the level that, that must be a bit of a sickener.
1: Well, I don't think you need to go to the Seoul Olympics or to, or the any other Olympics, you know, it's, 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 it's judging itself, boxing, judging itself in boxing, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. You know, it's very, uh, a great re- reporter here in the Belfast, Harry check Jack McGowan, used to write, you know, constantly about decisions and et cetera, et cetera. And he would say, you know, all you need is five honest men. They're very hard to come by. Yeah, yeah that's quite, hard to come by. very that's hard. Very difficult. Yeah, it's uh you know it's always going to be controversial, and you know and the only way to do it now we were now in twenty twenty one is to you you saw what happened in real, you know you you read the report now, and. You you saw you, you, everybody knew about the sit ins the ring sit ins and all we had in in Seoul Olympics where they didn't they wouldn't leave the ring. You saw the Jones Park was the worst decision anybody has seen. I mean by far. Pat McCrory and I were at the ringside sitting watching the finals that day, and uh, the Americans were sitting right beside us at the, at the ringside, and they got up and they were looking after the the, the last frames over and. I said, what are, "What are you looking at? What's what's the problem?" with? they were up with their search and ties on, whatever you know, looking to see. And he said, oh, "Something wrong. Something wrong." I mean, that was that was the worst decision you could ever say. Like, I mean, it was just ridiculous. And um, and it's just right that you know they he should have got a medal afterwards or whatever. But I mean, that's that's it was just corrupt. It was you know, and that you know, those decisions have came now. They're a bit more. Um, it, Rio was a bit more, you know, hidden or whatever. But that was just blatant for the, for there to be seen, you know, Rio. Uh, and what happened in Rio it, it is really, really, really disappointing. Very, very,
0: very hard to score. Like, yeah. Sport. Like, I mean, you would have hoped that when a boxer like Roy Jones Jr. gets robbed on the international, on the world stage in the biggest boxing tournament in the world, that, you know, blatant, um, obvious corruption should be rooted out. But then to, for only a decade or two later. Yeah. And the world watching that, I mean, yeah. Yeah.
1: but what it did do, um, and then we would go right into the '92 Olympics. What it did do was bring in the computer, and then there was five different versions of the computer. You know, you had the take guard. Yeah. You remember the take guard one, the one nails yeah. and the two nails, yeah. And then you had the you know the light scoring and one. Then you did, uh, you know, so we tried every version of that. But at least, at least, it kind of stopped a lot of bad decisions, in my opinion. And and then to bring it back. Immediately, they're for real. My goodness, you mean? that? The, and then they, then they pick a magnificent seven. And why did they pick seven judges? I mean, it, it was easy to you know, anyway, there you go. You pick seven judges and you know, they're the best judges in the world and we'll have them and that'll stop any bad decisions. Yeah. Little to be know, you know, that it didn't.
0: I suppose that let's pick seven to like really set the standards and tell everybody how it's supposed to be done but little did they know or little did we know that those seven people would actually act as enforcers so that was uh quite disgusting and it's funny like about you know find five, five honest men like i look at even some of the people in who've been involved in belfast boxing who are still on the go people have been there for 50 years like but well, maybe it's because you guys aren't involved at the money side the cut co- the money side but you know, Mickey Hawkins, you're in a list along with people like Jerry Story, Nugget Nugent, Patsy McAllister, men who've been involved in boxing for lifetimes, you know, and find an honest man. I think the people that you guys have worked with over the years would say there's no more honest. And yes, this is kind of the stuff that boxing, unfortunately, has to put up with. So I don't know, personal bugbear. But... Mm. Well, I, I have a question actually about, um. Ni- so 1988, uh, Wayne McCullough from like the Shankill Road carries the flag for Ireland. He's just a teenager. Um, and then I was, well, we'll talk about Francie, Francie Barrett as well another person who broke down barriers in carrying the flag in 96 the first traveller uh, boxer at the Olympics for Ireland but I think um, there was a, there was an interview recently I think did you say that uh, you thought that Wayne shouldn't have carried the flag and why was that? Well I
1: thought um, you know uh, that Wayne was very young he was only 17 uh, I didn't think that he um, would have, you know, the the background, you know, the, such tender years that he that he had that, that he didn't realize really the um, the implications that 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 didn't, may have entailed for him and his family back home, and I think that's 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 the main reason. Nothing else, like just really? is just from him and his side, um, and you know, from, from his parents and who I knew very very well, like I mean, his, his mother and father um, were. We're great friends of ours like you know it's they're not you know well we're all become very friendly because i've been working with wayne for a few years and uh so it was just uh, i thought it was you know for for wayne to be picked uh, to carry uh, at 17 years old you know and for him to accept that's that was wayne he would accept he was uh, he's the greatest guy in the world you know but um you know it, it was going to bring difficulty i could see that that it, that it could and um
0: in, in in small ways it did, you know, but I think he's got over that. And, yeah. Was it the um, Olympic Council of, of Ireland who nominated him, or was it someone from the IABA Or obviously, he carried the flag for the entire team, didn't he? Not just the boxing team for the uh, for the national squad. Who nominated him? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not too sure just who actually nominated.
1: It certainly wasn't uh, it certainly wasn't boxing that nominated. It's just, say, probably the Olympic uh, the Olympic uh, people themselves that would do that. You know. But I'm sure, sure they may
0: have had a discussion, but it wasn't discussed with I, I certainly wasn't involved in it anyway. Okay. So it was it was a, a caring decision, really. You didn't want to see this kid getting, you know, a lot of blowback upon his return home. No, that's all. Exactly. Nothing else. Nothing, nothing else. why was it that you weren't involved, or I'm sure you were involved at a national level, but why didn't you why weren't you with the team in ninety two? Was it just that Austin Carruth went instead and then you went in ninety-six? Um uh, there was no um there was no uh,
1: 92 was just Central Council make a selection. Oh. You know, there was not like you're a national coach and you're the national coach and, and that's it, you know. every game, there was there was a selection process, that's all it was. Okay. And um, so and and they wanted to bring Nicholas along. Um it was certainly awesome. uh Michael's father, you know, it's, it's, there's nobody certainly could you know there's nobody complaining about that, you know, and Nicholas um uh, maybe thought Nicholas was better, but you know, there Nicholas was there,
0: you know, or he was he was here from Cuba, so he should be used, you know. So, what did Nicholas bring? What attributes did he bring? Because a lot of the boxers would look back and say, This man cha- changed a lot for us, and you know, he was responsible oh, or partly nice. responsible for medals and so. Nicholas
1: was Nicholas was great, you know, the troll deal he was the first uh Cuban coach that, that came in, and he was he, he was here for a year, I remember, mean, '87. and um, because we after '86 Reno, we decided well, you know, we should we should up we should up our game and we should you know try and get full time people in. So um Trotman Daly came in, but trodman seemed to be a wee bit um, you know <laughs> you'd spar and you'd have the headgear on, you have all your protective gear, and uh, and you weren't allowed to drink and uh, between the rounds you weren't allowed to drink water between the rounds, and then you would come out and do you know, the bags. And you still have your headgear on your gum shield and you still weren't allowed to drink water, you know. So it, I, I remember some of the sessions I got and the, the lad's just, you know, he was just too tough. And um, so Nicholas <laughs> came in the following year and, um, and he was like the man that came for his Christmas dinner. he it was Christmas dinner with us four years in a row, uh, an artist, you know. So um, uh, we, became, uh, we became very, very friendly, but he was, he was very good, technically very good. And he, he knew the game. You know so uh you know, I, was, I was 88 was idiot myself, and then the ninety two was austin and and uh, nicholas, and as soon as uh, I heard that we and um Nigel got into the semifinals as soon as we just just watched the on TV and just went straight right get on the phone, get me a ticket out there so we were in, we we were in i was in
0: in Barcelona the next morning, so it was That's fantastic that yeah, was great. And great to see two boxers that have been with you for the Olympic Games four years previously had very to go cool. home in disappointment. I think, um, yeah. like Wayne and Michael Crute both won one fight apiece out in Seoul, but, it, but probably that experience of being at one Olympics helped get them over the line four years later mm-hmm. in Barcelona. It's, that's the, it's all about experience. I mean, you said at the beginning
1: of this, you know, it was a great team or whatever. That was a very young team even, you know, really an the Olympic team had boxers now, but you looking at it now, they're good names. You know, that's a very it was a very young team, very young team. And um, you know, you see a Wayne McCulloch and even John Loy and and uh and Michael, you know, they, they were they were they were still very, very young and you know, in, the, in 88, and it was uh, they were just coming into it then in, in 92, and it was brilliant. They had a great they're great games there. And then of course '96 um uh Damien and Brian. So um the, the
0: club, with Damien Brand. So out of the four boxers that were selected, so there you go. Yeah, I'd say that was a great day in Barcelona though, in '92 when when Michael Crute won the gold medal, Ireland's first boxing gold medal yeah. and still only male gold.
1: No, oh, it was absolutely. You know, it was it was class. I remember. I remember it well. I remember the the final well. I remember, unfortunately, um, part of Williams in first and thought he was going to get the gold medal, and unfortunately,
0: he he lost to. Uh, you Call the guy yeah. Casa Mayor, like both of them against Cubans and Nicholas Cru- Cruz in the corner as well against you know the Cubans. So that's right, that how things worked out. That's right, uh, it was it was crazy. And and, and then, of course, then fighting uh with,
1: uh, with Megalop uh, next in uh, that afternoon with uh, um Hernandez, uh, it was great, that was class. I mean, I'll never forget that, you know, I still, I still remember the, the television scenes and. And stuff, you know, where we were all where, we're, where we were, just
0: looking on, the ring, and seeing the scores coming up after every round's class, yeah, and deserved it as well. One of the greatest performances I've watched it back again. I think I was doing a different show, also do about the ninety two Olympics, and I, so I've watched it a couple of times over the years, and just it gets better every time you watch it. That performance for me, oh, this class, it's just it was, uh, if you think uh, Michael Caruth
1: at the qualifying part of those games when we were in uh, Italy. And uh, Pellegrino in Italy, and he was out of the game, out of the qualifiers. And then one of the boxers got injured or whatever. And Miguel got a last, got a brave and went in against the, against the French guy. And um, he were boxing the French guy, but we couldn't get the scores. And Joe Lowe was there and said to Joe, Joe, see if he can get the scores there. And um, it was in a, it was in a, Kind of like a city hall type of uh, building, and the ring was very low to the ground and stuff. So it was down one of the corridors where they had the 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 score the scoring system. Anyway, but Joe, Joe, Joe would give a news. Joe would get in anywhere, and he'd get in. Donald Connell was officiating at that particular games, and uh, Nicholas had said, "You go forward, Michael. You go forward. You go forward. You have to go forward." And I looked over, and Joe just put the fingers up. You know, two, we're uh, two up. And I say, you take one step forward, let him come, let him come, let him come, pivot, pivot, turn. <laughs> and the, the, the bell rang, and there he goes to the final round. And Michael, they go, they go, anyway, Nicholas, it jumps over to I me and says, What's the story? Michael, Michael, hey, what's this? What's this? You don't listen to the Cuban. <laughs> We're we'll two up. Huh? how do you know that? How you know that? <laughs> so that was very good. So, Michael, bit, but this is the point. Michael, didn't Michael? He was out of the games nearly. you would have said, and then we got that we played and he qualified. And it's just amazing! It's
0: amazing to go on there and 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 beating the Cuban in the finals, terrific. Yeah, and there was more. There was more Cuban drama in in '96. Um, so it was just a four man team. A lot of good talent in the in the country at the time, but it became much harder to qualify for the games. And so you got four over the line two from the Holy Trinity Club in Belfast, your club, Damien Kelly and Brian McGee, uh, a national treasure then came through and Francie Barrett, everybody seemed to fall in love with him and Kahalo Grady as well. So you were st- you were sent out as the head coach, but Nicholas Cruz wasn't allowed travel, was he? Is that right? So you ended up with a probably a lot, of, um, I think in the post games report, it was said that just way too much responsibility was put on your shoulders. You had too much to do out there. Would that be fair to say? Well, too much. Yeah, I mean, listen. If you look again, if you look today
1: and see the high performance, how it works, and how many people are involved at every tournament that goes away, you know. And you know, I was, I was the doctor, I was the physio, I was the, <laughs> I was the assistant, I was, know, yeah, pretty much everything to do. But um, uh, no excuses anyway. So you went and you do
0: the job. You know, you go out there and you do the job and. uh You'd, and you do your best and that was it Francie was a Fra- I think everybody wanted Francie to win a medal certainly just watching the Late Late Show stuff and stuff down here I knew him probably more than the other boxers I was young myself and just you see Francie and he kind of light up the screen every time you saw him and he got out and he won his first fight he carried the flag as well and he must have been a great Francie. boss got to got have in the squad score. he got the highest score at the Olympics as
1: well I don't know how you missed that point but anyway you got the highest score in, in the Olymp- in Olympic Games um, on the computer, you know, the thirty-two seventeen off the top of my head, this is now. Um, I don't know. I never looked at it. <laughs> I never checked it. I know it was. Yeah. House. I know it was a high score. Chris Bronte never, never let me forget it. But, <laughs> um, but um, Gus Farrell there as well. Yeah, Gus was. Gus was uh, he was from Galway, and um, and Gus, Gus was very. He was more more than helpful. We had a great we had a great time there as, as, as best we could. Had a, had a great run, and then he and then he come up against a very
0: talented boxer um, um, in the in a second contest, and and um, So after two after two Holy Trinity boxers you had out there, both of them won two contests, and you must have been feeling really good. One of these boys is going to do it. They're going to they're going to pick up a medal. McGee and Kelly both won two apiece. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they boxed very well, and Brand particular, he had just beaten the Canadian and. Um, well, he was telling me a funny story about um, sparring with Cahill O'Grady before the cha- before the Olympic Games took place. And uh, they were supposed to be school sparring, but Cahill O'Grady couldn't take it backwards steps. So started hitting McGee really hard. And McGee ended up just having to go to war with him. And <laughs> he weren't able to stop them. Said, oh, all right, lads, just let it out, let it out. And uh, they ended up like battering each other that day. Aye. Well, that's cattle, you know, but
1: Cahill was very, gee, he was he very, very unlucky. Just unlucky, you know. I said earlier in the, in the in the interview, you know, but one punch can do the damage, and mm. there you go, you know, because he, he was he was coming on well, he was doing very well, and New Zealanders kind of have that. They always come up with a big a big guy, you know. Mm. They always come up, and he was he was deceiving looking as well, you know. You just didn't it, it was one of those ones you just didn't expect. And you get caught, and that was it. it. was so it was very 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 disappointed for Cahill because he should be put some time in, you know and he did some brilliant
0: time you know he he did some he he really 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 worked hard and deserved better you know I think there was um, a complaint made afterwards that when Damian Kelly it it was the Russian he fought there was a Cuban referee and the IBA were quite unhappy because relations between the IBA and Cuba weren't exactly great because of the Nicholas Cruz situation and felt that there shouldn't have been a Cuban officiating an Irishman's fight yeah well, I mean it's getting you know. Just uh,
1: there was nobody there, and the referees and judges. There was nobody there to kind of keep an eye on that to see what was going on there. And uh, yeah, that these things happen, and you just don't know what's going on behind the scene. You don't know. You you know. You you assume the things. You just you're just going to you're, you're boxing this guy. Next, what we're going to do? But you know, you just don't know what's going on there. And you say the relationship wasn't good. It was. Uh, you know the Cuban. The Cuban, Cuban referee, refereed. Um, I can't think of what exactly what happened there, and that. But there was a there was a Cuban referee, and then the winner was fighting the Cuban. That's what it was in the final. Yeah. So um, anyway, you can you can talk all day, and you can complain, and you can you know be all you know. It doesn't make any difference the season's there oh. and they're there. And there, there the are whether well, to be very wrong, but I'm. We're not complaining about anything about those games. Who did their best, and did you say with two wins each? You think, and we were, it wasn't impossible. We're sitting on two, another, you know, in Reno, it was the same. with two, one for medals, and 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 uh, in, in Seoul, we were close, we were closer we in ninety six. We're two, um we're two fights there, we're two boxers on you know on medals and went out with very, very close decisions and you know, it's disappointing. Yeah I, I don't think I surface for two days. I don't think I got out of bed for two days really after that. You know, it's really it's, it's so
0: um it's so so hard to take, you know. But that's that's the game, you know. Do, do you generally have big ups and downs with wins and losses or I suppose because you've coached so many thousands of kids and, and fights. No, well, that's right. just there's always an excellent one, which <laughs> is are We a bit sorry, with Brian, with Brian and Damien
1: there, with you know, so one club has got two representatives so there at that's, that's quite high. We're doing okay. We're not, mm. we're not you we know, We we'll get to each and then I mean, just all you need it was a bit of, just a wee bit of rub with the green, you
0: know. Yeah. But that's the way it goes, and uh, you just lift yourself up and go again. That was like Muhammad Ali's second games, wasn't it? Atlanta, Georgia, because he's obviously famous for the 1960 in Rome, but lit the lit the candle, lit the Olympic flame at this one. Did you did you get to meet Ali or Holyfield or yeah, any of the other big? Yeah, meet I didn't him. Uh, Harry got to, <laughs> my brother, uh Harry he,
1: I think he met him at um, at the Muhammad Ali tournament with Bran McKee um near, uh, earlier on and, and not there just was that afterwards, maybe? yeah, 97 I uh, Harry got to meet him afterwards, but um no, I remember standing on the on the on the on the pitch um, and looking up to see who this because it had kept it a, quite a surprise. Like even though it was you know maybe mentioned here and there, but just to see Muhammad Ali there, you know, it was class. Like it was really nice and it was lovely for
0: him as well. Would you be the sort to go? Would you be an all-round sports fan, or is is it strictly boxing? Would you be the sort to go see maybe the hundred meters at, at an Olympic Games or anything like that? Oh yeah, any yeah, uh, yeah. anything, anything sporty, yeah. any at all, the you know, sport?
1: I'd that'd be watching. You know, any anything, particular keen, in, not a keen interest, but taking interest in all the sports. You know, the GAA, the hurling, soccer, everything. You know, just uh, you're just generally you're in there, and that's it. You know, it's good. Yeah,
0: after those Olympic games, when uh, Damien Kelly went professional, you took a little leap into the professional games. You would have been seen as you probably would be mostly associated with the amateur side of boxing, but. You had a dip in the professional side. Did you enjoy it? And uh, all those years later, did, you know, was it a positive experience for you? Um, the professional side of the game,
1: I, I've never really, I've never really had any interest in. You know, it, other than it's a business, it's a sport. it's a sport It's more a business than it is anything else. And uh, I've never really had any great um, ambitions to go into the professional game um, with Damien. It was just that I went with Damien. Um, to his signing and on and he got a great he got a great deal um, from what he was supposed to be getting so and that kind of brought me in and, and Jamie and I were always right we're, all our boxers are close so all our boxers are all you know maybe we have got we've got I like, think it's um, 38 or 39 national titles and you know and national elite titles so we've got lots and lots of boxers there and uh, having this interview you know supposed to be talking about the club and we'll talk about me or whatever anyway um, but uh, Damien uh, to, to go into the program was, was not really my idea but it started, that's how it started anyway i 10 years with Damien there and the, you've got the ups and downs of the program and me and my I'm still Holy Trinity coach you know yeah. so we're still in the club the, the whole time but it takes a terrible lot of time with one boxer you know, one boxer and you know it's a dreadful amount of time. And I'm you know, I'd be busy business ways and never not just the boxing. So um so it's a it's a difficult game. It's a, it's what yeah Steven did well. He, he what well, the British, European, you know and and very, very he just he had very bad luck in management. It, 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 when he signed on he was brilliant, he was with Honest Lady Alice, uh his, um worked at Frank Bologna, yeah. Uh, with Frank and um world champion. Lennox Lewis, yeah, of course. Lennox Lewis. And um so uh, you know, and then the money dried up there and the fallout happened and then it was the the the, the flyweight the game, you know, the, the professional game was very difficult to get paid. So Damien had a hard fight last five years and to, just to get the trend, you know, get that uh, elusive world title. But
0: um Of you course, know. he was victim of that famous robbery at Andytown as well. That was shocking, yeah. that was just a,
1: you know, that was just, a, you know, that put the ten hat on, it as far as I was concerned. You know, it was just this is it, kiddo. We're finished, and he went and yeah. uh, did a wee one after that, and that was I
0: Think uh, how many Commonwealth Games did you travel to, Mickey, as uh, as coach? Because we, I think we've established that in 1990 in Auckland was your first with the Northern Ireland team, or yeah, you were, you, yeah, yeah. 1990, think,
1: 1990 was first, and then 94 in Victoria. And then,
0: um, ooh, where else after that? Uh, there was Kuala Lumpur in '98. You weren't, did you do that one? I yeah, didn't do that one, no. No, uh, and there was two thousand two thousand two 2002 in Manchester, 06 in Melbourne. You were back for Delhi in 2010, was it?
1: 06 in Melbourne, and 2010, yeah, did 2010. Did a couple of youth games in between that, In oh, yeah.
0: yeah, 2010. And and uh, uh, it was very, it was very good, it was very successful as well. Yeah, and yeah. well, they won, they won all around them, and they stopped, I think, um two successive games of not winning any medals as well so they, they got you back in and uh, it proved successful that time. I think in 1990 was it uh, it must have been I don't know was it amusing or concerning or whatever when Wayne McCullough won the gold medal and there was no tape for the anthem so I think it was it a member of the official delegation had to get up and sing Danny Boy. It's uh, Dr. Donnelly uh,
1: uh, you know, it was uh, yeah Dr. Donnelly did it in 84 or ninety four. after that again yeah uh, there was a man called Gibson uh, I remember he sang it
0: uh he wasn't the best he uh... <laughs> he, gave, he gave it a go yeah the, do- the doctor was was far better i think a few years <laughs> later yeah <laughs> uh, if you were if you were born a bit later is that a role that you would like to have been doing like a kind of specialist paid full-time coach or are you glad the way you went about it like as a club coach but also operating a business and you know so you kind of had it as your hobby or your passion i suppose well you see it's a it's a funny old it's a funny
1: old life isn't it um when i when i first started the boxing club it, uh, we had uh, a juvenile squad right so so we started in 72 so by 77 i all well, my we had four or five boxers at junior level so my holidays my two weeks holidays were, one of them was to go to the irish juvenile championships so easter week was always for the irish juveniles and now we've got the juniors and they're coming intermediate senior and so i had uh, i then left my job and to go into business for myself and then i went back and, and and bought the shop that i bought as well so i i went into business to sort out the boxing so i got time to do the boxing and yeah. and so there you are, you know, there, there you go. So I packed it into the boxing.
0: So I owe a whole lot to boxing for putting me into the business. You
1: know, so it's
0: a funny old game. Yeah, and the Trinity has a, like a number of graduates now in the professional game as well. And I don't know if these are kids you've had from like five or six or seven or eight up or lads who went to you a bit later. Um, but like even lads who, who did box for you in the national championships like Sean McComb, I know Quivini Nighiarko, Lewis Crocker, Anto Kakacha, they're all doing really well in the professional game right now. See, there was there's was a, there a big thing as well. You take the Rio Olympics,
1: and there was a hundred eighty thousand pounds taken off because Ireland didn't medal, mm. right? And that that money that money from Rio was money that should have kept the likes of Sean and Kevin, um, in the amateur game. Mm. And just that just that's only my two boxers. I'm not talking about the other ten, fifteen, twenty boxers um, that could have been kept on with funding and some sort of funding to keep them amateur until the qualification tournaments are over for the games. And you know, so there was a big money, there's a big lot of money lost. Um, and now just with the, with the release now of the um report from McLaren's report, you know, that that there there were bad decisions all around there on on the rail front, uh Michael you know talking maybe Katie Killer and so on. So um there there, there were medals there you know, I uh, mentioned that at the time that the medals will be, you know, uh, they'll be given out sometime. I mean, Michael Conlon Conlon's uh, judges, referee, whoever, were sent home. Therefore he won. He was, you know, he was, he, was, he, he lost, uh, you know, a very controversial decision. We did medal. He's at least won a bronze mm-hmm. and he's world champion, so that could have been a gold. You, you, you could argue for that it could have been a gold medal. So we did medal in Rio. Therefore, we shouldn't have lost that two hundred thousand pounds. pounds. I think is the exact figure, but um, and that left money for the boxers who could have stayed on and, and didn't have to turn pro. Yeah, this uh, corruption has a massive chain reaction. Yeah, and like it's a massive chain reaction. That's only another another part of it. You know, with vital and, and from our front. You know, because our, our job is to have Olympi- olympians. We want olympians. We've got the mural on the wall of Brian McGee, Damian Kelly, and and Jerry Hawkins as our three Olympians. We want more. That's that's what we're that's what we're that's what we're here for. That's what we're. We're amateur coaches. We're amateur boxing club. We are. We are the IABA amateur boxing club, and now we have high performance. So we're trying to lift the game in every direction. But it's it's, it's lifted very well. Like I mean, the game has lifted itself you know but there's still politics in the game and there's probably always will be politics you know but um we need to be getting things straightened out and 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 getting a good positive solid
0: way forward for for the whole sport yeah because i like sean was desperately unlucky because while he was boxing for the iba and like he gave that cuban um andy cruz one of the best fights anyone's given andy cruz over the years and um He really had all the talent i think he had the talent to be an olympic medalist so it's just unfortunate the way that didn't work out i don't know if sean was a victim of any corruption but i remember the time for the olympic qualifiers was it in 2015 he was just probably burnt out he'd been to the european games european championships and the world championships and then he had to fight the iba elite senior finals i think in december joyce beat him and yeah he was just in a better place because he hadn't had to do, he hadn't had the same year
1: of
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I think you, you pretty much summed that up. You know, in, in in regards
1: to Sean, he was he had a lot of stuff on at that time. I think Sean beat three world champions. He beat the Russian in the stadium as well, and the three world amateur champions that Sean had beat in that period of a couple of years. So he, Sean was gifted. You know, he was yeah. very very talented, and the three three, you know, three threes really 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 suits him, and he's very confident with himself. Uh, and competent as well, you know. So he's very, 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 very good. And you know, if we could have kept Sean, um, you know,
0: He certainly had a, every chance of medal. Lewis Crocker, who's now doing quite well in the professionals as well, he was at the centre of a bit of a political flashpoint a couple of years ago when he wasn't selected, I think, for a Commonwealth youth squad, and there was lots of lots of accusations of. Sectarianism is alive and well in in modern Ulster boxing. Would you think? I think I read a news report that you said you didn't think it was down to sectarianism. But do you think that that statement is, has any truth whatsoever? Um, it was
1: sectarian? No, it wasn't. I, I would still say it wasn't sectarian. Um, but it was a it was a situation where um, the high performance uh, letter went in that I believe was Lewis was. Uh, not just selected, but he was team captain and and selected uh, for the, the, but the president then put it out to the floor for a vote, and um, the vote was uh, uh, you know, went against Lewis, it was you know, absolutely ridiculous and the the people voted um, people voted geographically uh, rather than, you know it it, it was, uh, because he's Lewis Crocker, he's Holy Trinity Um, And, you know, it it was, I don't think it was sectarian. I think it was just they they were given the opportunity to vote and vote against Lewis and uh,
0: they they voted for their own boxer from that area where most of the officials that attended that night. What do you think? I think I've heard it suggested in in Ulster Boxing Circles. I think there was obviously a campaign for it recently that uh, boxers from Northern Ireland should be allowed to represent Team GB at Olympic tournaments and stuff like that. There's no problem. There there is a pathway there that um,
1: Ulster Boxing has. I think the Antrim Board were were very much uh, um, involved in in this pathway. So if there there are boxers there that want to take the pathway, whether they be Protestant clubs, Catholic clubs, Protestant boxers or Catholic boxers, it doesn't matter. Uh, If anyone wants to take the pathway of the UK,
0: they're quite entitled to do that. Absolutely no problem.
1: Yeah,
0: Uh, see uh, Anthony Kakacha. Did did he box for you for long at Holy Trinity? He's obviously flying it in the uh, in the professionals now. It's been a long stop-start career, um, but he's British champion, has defended his title, and hopefully has a big fight coming down the line. Um, Yeah, he he boxed for us for a few years. Yep, he's um, he's a lovely, lovely lad. He's he's
1: great lad. Actually, he's a a friend. He's a friend of um, Iceland as well. You know, he's, he's he's. work so he does a bit of work for us as well um but uh yep and, he, and he's finally you know getting his act together and we'd love to see him
0: um getting another few wins now and getting himself into the big money yeah i was speaking to Kevin before doing this interview and he said that you used to go to a school and get you get him out of trouble with his teachers um i said <laughs> that sounds kind of typical all right yeah
1: um you no, know, well Kevin, Kevin, um he didn't get he didn't get into that much trouble. He was always he was always um, he was always really um, he did very well at school and got on very well with everyone at school. And uh, but his boxing career he, he's he's done very very well, hasn't he? He's done very very well. Like he's, Absolutely, he's looking really good now at the minute, and he's settled himself down. And he's you know he's he's, he's he thinks a bit more, and you
0: know I think he's just I think he's just uh, things are coming good for him. Do you remember getting the phone call when he was uh, stabbed in the city center back in 2017? Aye, that was, um, yeah, that was a, that was a very, uh, that was a very tough time. Yeah, that was
1: a tough, that was a tough one, a tough phone call to you know to get as well. Like, but, um, yep.
0: Um, yeah. And did, were, did you go into hospital? Did you did, like, were you concerned that he, that he wouldn't like, that he wouldn't live through it? No, we didn't, we didn't
1: really know what it was, but, um, we, 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 we're finally it's not something I really want to get on you know yeah Talk about, we've talked about it now we talked about it at the time and yeah. you know it's just good to, it's good that everything's turned out well
0: for them and it's uh, I guess know. I I guess I bring it up because He's like He kind of credits you with getting him back on his feet. And um, we can talk about him being a, an undefeated professional prospect success story right now. But, you know, he wasn't back in boxing. He was a couple of stone overweight and you pleaded with him to, to get back, get back, get back. You got him back on his feet, persuaded him to enter the elite championships. And I think 81 kilos, Joe Ward moves up a weight division. He said the things he didn't do to lose a stone in about a day. I think he said he did take off nearly a stone in a day. Right. And then winning that elite championship, got him back on his feet. He got the World Series of Boxing, turned professional. And now look at him now, you know. So that, that's the reason I bring it up. No, no, that's fine. No, I, 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 no, it's, it's no Sorry, yeah, there's no problem bringing it bringing it up. I certainly, it
1: was be a big question that would come up. I a hundred hertz for it, but obviously... I haven't. No, it's... it's, 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 no, it's, it's, it's hard, We're talking about his boxing career and... um it's great to see him back and great to see him up there and whatever. But um and it wasn't a stone in a day in case I'm gonna get um juice <laughs> <Yes. laughs> of fucking abuse. Um no, it was uh he he always does a bit of exaggeration. But um no, he yes, he certainly was a bit overweight and but he didn't have to take a whole lot off really to get uh, to get to the late heavyweight and he did very well to win another elite title for us and we we're de- we we're delighted for him as well. So we but he is boxing well, he's even he, for me to say that you know, that he is boxing well, it, it means a lot. Like, I think, I'll, I, you know, I don't normally,
0: kind of, give he's a lot of credit to the boys, but he's each fan. He said, you you always had his back and he's you're the best coach he's ever been trained by. And Brian McGee had comments as well to make about saying that he was knocked down in sparring one day and he kind of, like, approached him very quietly in the dressing room and like, are you okay? Like, just checking on his welfare. He was like, he said you were tactful. He might have been concussed and you seemed like you didn't want to embarrass him. So that was kind of, there was no overbearing general. There was no kind of you weren't cracking the whip. You know, it's more a like concern for his welfare. So that's kind of appreciated, I think, by your boxers. Yeah, well, we'll do that. We'll do that at any boxer at
1: any age. You know, and just be just gently, gently is the best way to do it. And you know, we we uh, do far less sparring than most clubs, if not all clubs. You know, we'd be very, very, very cautious. Anything, with spars. Spars aren't just done willy nilly. Just put them in there with whatever and whatever. You know, they have to be. That's the biggest. That's that's. It's the biggest part of
0: success is is getting getting that right, getting that 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 mix right. You know. Well, that's where the damage is done, and perhaps that's why you've had boxers who've been successful well into their thirties. Like we saw, Brian McGee was probably a better boxer at thirty six than he was at twenty six. Yeah. a better pro for sure. And like even Anthony Kakacha now, he's hitting his mid thirties. He might say he's still in his early thirties, but he'd beat the version of himself ten years ago. Yeah, and sharp. Well, listen, a good boxer has to be a sharp boxer as well, and to be
1: sharp-minded. You know, if you're going to box, if you want to fight, it doesn't matter. You know what you do. But boxing's the name of the game. You know, and if you're boxing, then you're going to last a bit
0: longer. And the, the smarter you are, then the better you are is there anything you'd like to add before you go i know you've talked you've talked deeply about what you know things you want to say so if there's is there anything you'd like to add or speak about before we go um i'm sure after this
1: interview and listen to it we'll say if you could do this we could do that listen it was pretty much off the cuff
0: and uh, enjoyed doing it and thank you very much for the opportunity and sure we'll have a chat again huh? yeah you're very welcome it's been a, an honor and a pleasure to have you thanks mickey well, thank you very much